Welcome to The Palette, the podcast about language learning and teacher training by International House London. My name is Ted, and in this English language episode, I will be speaking with my colleague Laura about Wales, and she will tell us about Welsh food, the language, and the differences between England and Wales. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Palette's podcast. My name is Ted, and today in this podcast, we'll be talking about Wales. Wales is a beautiful country that is part of the United Kingdom with stunning natural beauty like Snowdon Mountain, a gorgeous coastline, and it even has its own language. Joining us on the podcast is our very special guest, Laura, who is a colleague of mine. She is from Wales and she will tell us a little bit about the country. Hello, Laura. Welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining us. How are you? Hello, Ted. I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I am also very good, thank you. Very excited to hear a little bit about Wales today. So, without further ado, can you tell us uh, a bit more about your home country? Sure. So, as uh, you said in your lovely introduction, I'm from Wales originally, and I grew up in a town called Pontypridd. Pontypridd is in South Wales, and it's quite close to the capital city of Wales. The capital city of Wales is called Cardiff. It's a, a very lovely city with a very interesting castle. But I grew up in a smaller town named Pontypridd. What is uh, that your town like? Pontypridd is a very old town. It's existed for many, many, many years. It has a very interesting history uh, because it was a very important location during the Industrial Revolution. So in all of the United Kingdom, uh, during the Industrial Revolution, which I believe started at the end of the 1700s and throughout the, the 1800s, early 1900s, there was a lot of industry happening around the UK. Uh, but in South Wales, coal mining was a very, very important part of the industry and the local culture. And the coal mines were located in the valleys of South Wales. So South Wales has a lot of mountainous areas and in the south of the country, in South Wales, that's where the coal mines were predominantly located. But the coal had to be transported from the coal mines to the port, which was in Cardiff, to be exported all around the world. But Pontypridd was an important location because the coal would come down the valleys, down the rivers, and would travel through the town of Pontypridd and continue down the river towards Cardiff. So Pontypridd was historically an important central location for a lot of the industrial activity that was happening in South Wales at that time 
and it's continued to be a central location for that area of the country. That is really fascinating about uh, the history of where you're from and linking it to the Industrial Revolution and, and the coal mining, which is, as you said, is a very important part of Welsh history. You've now lived in England and London for a very long time. Um, so you know, you know better than anyone the differences between the two countries. So what do you think are the main differences between England and Wales? It's interesting. Um, so the first thing, uh, perhaps the most important thing, is that in Wales we also have another language, the Welsh language. The Welsh language is a very, very old language. Um, the first example of written Welsh that we have, I believe, is from the 5th or 6th century, um, written by a poet called Aneirin. Um, but the fact that it was written at that time obviously suggests that the language was spoken for many, many centuries before that. So we, we, we know that it's a very, very old language. It's one of the oldest living languages in Europe. But when we talk about living languages, we mean languages that are still spoken today. It's a completely different language to English. Um, if you speak English, it doesn't mean that you can speak Welsh. They are, they are totally different languages. So Welsh is a Celtic language. It has some things in common with the Gaelic languages spoken in Ireland and Scotland. So it's from the same family of languages. Um, however, the, they did separate a little bit at some point in time. So Welsh is therefore today, whilst it does have connections to the Gaelic languages, it, it is quite different. We also have some very important uh, symbols. So for example, the daffodil, this flower, the daffodil is our national flower. Um, it's a very important symbol for us. And we also have the red dragon, which I have on my t-shirt. I don't know if you can see, but we have a dragon. <laughs> so that's the, the Welsh flag. So the red dragon appears on the Welsh flag and it's a very important symbol for us. So the sports teams, for example, will always have a dragon on, on their shirt. And we have a few different uh, types of food as well in Wales. So uh, something that all of my English friends always like and my English colleagues, I think, Ted, you've tried a few in the office that we have Welsh cakes, uh, which are like this. So in Welsh, they are called picaromain. And I have an example here, I don't know if you could see, but they are small cakes. They are the size of a biscuit, but they are a cake consistency. And they're very, very delicious, uh, very typical in Wales. Welsh people eat them regularly. That's our most typical snack that we would have. Uh, Welsh cake with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee is a very, very nice 
Now, I guess when we when we compare England and Wales, it depends a little bit what we mean. So I've spent some time living in the northeast of England. I think there are some similarities in day to day life between Wales and certain areas of England. So the northeast, um, Yorkshire, for example, parts of Scotland, particularly with how friendly and chatty people are. So if you're on the bus in Wales, and I imagine it's probably the same in places like uh, Yorkshire in the north of England, if you're on the bus, you can speak to the person next to you. That would be a very normal thing to do. Or on the train, in the queue, in a supermarket, chatting to people you don't know would be quite a typical thing to do. However, if we're comparing London and Wales, they are totally different worlds. They, they could not be more different. Um, London, I think, has more in common with other big cities in the world, possibly Paris, Berlin, New York. There's a, there's a different ambience in big, big cities, I think. So London and Wales, totally different. But Wales would have some things in common with other more rural parts of, of the UK. That is a fascinating connection you've made there. London, as you said, is a very big city, very multicultural, lots of different uh, nationalities, influences. Uh, so it is very cosmopolitan, as you would say. Um, whereas, you know, Yorkshire, the north of England, is famously very friendly. People are more approachable. They're very chatty. So for any of listeners going, uh, coming to the UK to study here, if you go up north, you will notice straight away that the people there are very different to a lot of people you, you, you'll meet in London. Tell us a little bit more about the Welsh language. I think a lot of our listeners may not necessarily know that in Wales they had their own language. How how many people speak Welsh in Wales? Mm. So it's hard to know the exact number, but it's estimated around about 600,000 people speak the language. Um, it's becoming increasingly uh, spoken amongst the younger generations. So if you go to school now in Wales, you will learn Welsh. Wow. 100% you will learn Welsh. Uh, when I went to school, for example, uh, I started going to school in, I don't know, 1990, 1991. Now, at that point, uh, it was still, there had been throughout the 1980s a real push to try and encourage more people to learn the language. At that point, it was considered um, a dying language. There were less and less people that spoke the language. So during the 1980s, there was a huge push to try and encourage more people to learn the language and to get more children learning the language in school. 
So when I went to school, uh, to primary school in the early 1990s, uh, it was still quite a new thing. So perhaps people my age are some of the um, sort of first people to be part of that new initiative of learning the language. So I, I can't remember not speaking Welsh because I would have started to learn it in nursery when I was two and then in primary school from the age of three onwards. So I have always spoken the Welsh language. Other people my age might not necessarily. It depends on the kind of school that they went to because it was still, I suppose, a developing initiative at that time. However, by now, what, 20, 30 years later, uh, all children will learn uh, Welsh at school. The language had a very turbulent history uh, politically, so older generations would tend to not speak the language, whereas the younger generations are the ones who are helping to resurrect the language. Yeah, that's brilliant news. You, um, We often hear about cases where languages are dying out uh, and fewer people are speaking them. So it's fantastic that in Wales they are encouraging younger generations to learn the language. It's an important part of Wales's national identity. And yeah, that's brilliant to hear about that. For our listeners, can you teach us a few Welsh phrases and words? Yeah, of course. So the most basic greeting, hello, is shumai. So people will say shumai. And one that you might come across as well, you might hear it, um, particularly if a Welsh person is on the television, um, you know, on English television as well, they might say boreda. Boreda is good morning. But again, that's a very, very typical uh, expression. Goodbye is it's it's interesting because for me the language is so natural because I've always spoken it but my English friends always comment that it sounds very difficult and it looks very difficult but I, I don't know because for me it's very natural as um as someone who has never spoken or, or learned Wales it sound it sounds very beautiful and almost musical in a way, but it's not very phonetic uh, in that I see it written down and I pronounce it completely wrong. I guess there's a lot of people who are learning English as a foreign language can relate. English isn't a very phonetic language. And even for people who are used to that, you know, we find Welsh quite difficult. See, that's a very interesting thing because um, my English friends and colleagues, they'll often say, oh, Welsh, it looks crazy. It's not phonetic. However, it actually is (laughs) very, very phonetic, but you have to know how the letters are pronounced. Um, So there are a few interesting things. For example, W, Y and H are considered uh, vowels in the Welsh language. So that's why English people will often say, you have whole words in Welsh with no vowels, it's just consonants. But it's because W and Y and H, which is an interesting one, are considered vowels. So 
there are vowels <laughs> in Welsh words, but they might. It's because in English and perhaps many other languages, they would be considered consonants. The Welsh alphabet is, is much longer than the English alphabet because we have extra letters. And there are several letters that perhaps if you're not a Welsh speaker, you would assume are actually two letters. So, for example, double D, C, H, N, G, double F. They, they look like two letters. But for us, they're actually one letter. They have their own section in the alphabet. So the, the Welsh alphabet will go A, B, C, C, H, D, double D, E, F, double F. There are lots of extra bits, um, which again, I think is why a lot of people that are from outside of Wales think that we have very long, strange words. That, but they're actually quite short words. It's just that they look like they have many more letters. Um, so once you can read the alphabet, it's actually a fairly phonetic, simple language to read. But I appreciate that for people outside of Wales, um, it, it doesn't look that way. It probably looks very complex. Yeah, I did. I did not know about um, the differences in the alphabet. Uh, as you say, it shows how different English is to Welsh and that they are not related at, at all. I want to talk a little bit about Welsh foods now. You showed uh, Welsh cakes, which you have brought into the office many times, and I absolutely love them. They are delicious. Can you tell us about some other typical Welsh foods? This will be something that people from England, Scotland and Ireland are already aware of, but the vegetable, the leek, is very, very typical. And uh, along with the daffodil <clears throat> and the dragon, it's also one of our symbols. So the leek vegetable, it has some historic uh, origins whereby I believe during the medieval times where there were always lots of, <laughs> lots of uh, arguments, let's say, <laughs> between England and Wales, um, lots, of, lots of fighting, I believe the origin is from that time. And I think what the Welsh soldiers used to do in order to recognise each other was to put a leak in their helmet so that they, the Welsh soldiers could work out who the other Welsh soldiers were during the battle. Um, the, the, I think that's the origin. I'm sure there might be somebody who will comment and say that that's not quite right. But I, I, that's what I've read somewhere is that it was to they put the vegetable in their helmet or on their on their armor. Uh, and that helped them recognize the other Welsh soldiers during the the endless battles during uh, medieval Britain. Um, so it's a it's, it's a food, but it's, it's also a symbol for us. So on uh, St. David's Day, which is our national day, the 1st of March, people will wear um, a combination of daffodils on their clothes, but also a leek on their clothes as well. Um, but it's not just a fashion accessory, <laughs> it is a food. So we have lots of dishes that involve leek as one of the ingredients. So for example, a leek soup, uh, a leek and potato soup 
is something that you would find um, a lot in, in Welsh restaurants, Welsh pubs. Um, and perhaps our most famous food, aside from leeks and Welsh cakes, would be lamb. So Wales is famous for having lots and lots of sheep. That's, uh, that's the main animal that <laughs> you would find in Wales if you visited. Um, so lamb is a very popular meat in, in Welsh cuisine. So um, a lamb roast dinner. I mean, roasts are famous all over the UK, everywhere. Um, but in Wales, a, a lamb roast would be quite typical. Other things would be, for example, something called cowl. So cowl is, it's a, it's a kind of soup, a kind of stew made with meat and vegetables, but it's cooked for a long, long time. Um, it's perfect in, in the autumn and winter, which can be very cold in Wales. Um, a hot bowl of cowl is really, yeah, really, really good, really delicious, very comforting uh, during the winter. Um, and then, you know, Wales has, uh, although it's very famous for being a mountainous part of the UK, it also has a coastline going three quarters of the way around uh, the country. So in several coastal towns, uh, there will be some other things that are more typical. So uh, thing, seafood, you know, seafood based uh, dishes. So Things like cockles, uh, I think they're quite typical in, in the Swansea Bay area, West Wales. Um, there's something called lava bread as well in West Wales, which people from West Wales will have to correct me, but I think it's possibly made from seaweed. I think, oh. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's, it's some kind of bread made with seaweed, I think. Um, and all over Wales as well, you will find something called barabrith. And barabrith is a kind of sweet bread. It's sort of like a cake consistency, like a sweet cake bread type of thing. Um, yes, barabrith, that's a, it's also very nice. An alternative to a Welsh cake, which is the number one cake. <laughs> um, but it's also very nice to have, you know, with a cup of tea, a nice slice of barabrith. Um, so those would be our most typical things. Uh, but of course, Wales is part of the United Kingdom. So we will also indulge in many of the other British classics, such as fish and chips. Or, you know, in, in the UK, we have a lot of food from other countries. So Indian food, Chinese food, Italian food. We will, you know, we, we enjoy a lot of that kind of food in Wales as well. Wow, I'm just hungry hearing about, about all that delicious Welsh foods. Um, it's really interesting, the regional differences, you know, the, the fish and cockles in, um, cockles even, <laughs> in Swansea, uh, and then, yeah, the importance of lamb uh, and the roast dinners. So, uh, yeah, really interesting. I'm very hungry now, though. So <laughs> uh, I have a final question uh, for you, Laura, about Wales. Um, so for any of our listeners who might be interested coming to Wales, what are three places you would recommend they visit? Most visitors who come to Wales are coming for the natural landscapes. Um, 
Snowdonia um, National Park is very, very famous. That's one of the, the highest peaks in the UK. Um, a lot of people do something called the Three Peaks Challenge, uh, which has a, a mountain in Scotland, England and Wales. Uh, so in Wales, uh, the, the challenge, the, the peak is uh, Snowdon, which is a mountain, but the whole national park surrounding it is absolutely beautiful, really stunning landscapes. Um, another place, again, it's a natural place. So Wales has something called the National Coastal Path or the Wales Coastal Path. And it's a coastal path that I believe goes all the way around the coast of Wales. So Wow. Miles and miles and miles and miles. I, I believe they, they've finished it now and it goes all the way around the country. And the, the coastal areas in Wales are very, very rugged, very beautiful, very clean, um, very quiet. So it's a very peaceful activity. Um, and the third recommendation is kind of lots of things in one but Wales is very very famous for its medieval castles uh, and well normal Norman medieval uh, castles um, you know that are a thousand years old so there are lots and lots of castles all around Wales so I can't choose one because there are so many but if um, any visitors if they just look on the internet castles in Wales they will see lots of different options and lots of different routes to visit the uh, the castles that are dotted all around the country. That's really, really cool. Uh, the mix of natural beauty and history. Um, it's pretty easy to get to Wales from London, hop on the train to Cardiff and then Cardiff and go everywhere in the country. But unfortunately, that's all we have time for today uh, on this podcast. So I want to say a massive thank you to our special guest, Laura, for telling us about Wales, from chatting about Welsh cakes to learning about the Welsh language. I've really enjoyed recording this podcast and I hope the listeners enjoy uh, hearing about Wales too. So yeah, thank you very much, Laura, and we hope that you'll join us again soon. Okay, thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back next Tuesday for another English conversation podcast. So make sure to subscribe to the palette and tune in next week. See ya.